The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org. This is Duly Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another duly noted podcast, and uh, this is the last solo one. Well, not not the last solo one, but I mean, next week you get two for the price of one, which is no price at all. We will be going Tuesdays and Thursdays for one week, and then of course we have another open week, so there'll only be one that week, and then we will get into pretty much every week for a long time two podcasts. I uh, hope everybody's enjoying them, and we are certainly enjoying doing them for you. we got a couple of guests today. Shane Edge, Shaner, he's going to be coming on, talk about um, his days as a punter at Florida and what he sees for this year's team. Also, uh, Chris Lowe, I'm hoping he's going to be able to join us. Chris is um, in the middle of interviewing Oklahoma players. So when we get him on, I know he's been at Clemson and Alabama. We'll talk to him more of a, a national look, and we like to get the national guys on every once in a while just to talk about you know what's going on uh, all around the country because I know you fans and you want you want to hear about the Gators but you also want to hear about other teams as well and we will uh, we'll get his take on the SEC in Florida as well I said as well twice there all right we're almost there it's almost uh, game week I'm excited about that I'm ex- it's funny because I was talking to Jeff Cardozo about this the other day I said you know. I can't wait for football season. I can't wait for football season. But then I realize football season, that's when I work really hard. I should have enjoyed the summer more. I didn't take advantage of it. But there's no question. And I talked to my dad today, and he was saying the same thing. Is I just I run out of stuff to watch. He goes, I got, I got to find some. I go, Dad, you have Netflix. Let me, let me give you a couple of shows. And I started to think about it. What would I recommend for my dad? And most of the shows that I've binge-watched, Probably not for him. I don't think Dexter would be for my dad. I don't think uh, – I really can't think of anything that I've I've watched a lot of that he would like. Maybe Marvelous Miss Maisel, although I think that's Amazon. Anyway, I digress. So let's uh, talk about the news of this week and where we are right now. Of course, the big story this week really was Miami naming a starting quarterback in Jaron Williams. And look, I'm going only on – my guess here because I don't really know what they're thinking I don't know if there is a is a real reason for this or if they just said look we got to name a guy because we can't go into the last 11 days of prep and our team doesn't know who their quarterback is you know at some point you've got to name them and the problem is I don't know if it's a problem or not but the issue that you have is if you name a quarterback to the team and don't do it publicly, it's going to get out. We all remember the legendary story of Mark Rick deciding during – because they had an open week, obviously, before the Florida game. I'm going with Faton Bata as my starter. It's going to surprise everybody. He's going to be – he's a dual-threat guy. We're going to surprise everybody. Then his high school coach told everybody he was going to be the starter. So Florida was was ready for him, and guess what? They didn't run dual threat stuff. They didn't run the ball with their quarterback because they were afraid Florida now knew about it and 
they think that I think that we think that they think very Zook like that that kind of thinking but my theory is that they know they can't get mistakes they can't have turnovers from the quarterback position it's kind of the McElwain theory right he'd always talk about hey you know I, I I, I just want to find a guy that doesn't throw the ball the wrong color jersey. Well, Ed, nobody wants to have a guy who throws the ball the wrong color jersey. You know, it's just like the old um, story with Steve. You know, how uh, Steve Spurrier is that how you can you make that throw? He, he actually, one time uh, during a game, turned to Rex Grossman. Jesse Palmer was in the game. Jesse missed a guy in a post wide open. He turned to him and says, Can you make that throw, Rex? He went in the game. He said, yeah, of course I can. He went in the game, threw it for the same play for a touchdown. You you want guys who throw the ball to the right guy and who understand offense. It's hard for me to believe that this guy is going to be the reason Florida doesn't beat Miami. Maybe he's this is the beginning of a superstar that we are going to be surprised by. Uh, redshirt freshman. Uh, Florida did recruit him. Um in fact, there was a time when he was kind of a lean to Florida, but ended up going to Miami. And I just think what they're looking at is, look, we want to be an offense that's productive, but we aren't going to be trying to hit home runs all day. Doesn't mean they won't throw deep. There's a difference between throwing deep and trying to hit home runs. And this is sound, going to sound really stupid, but... <laughs> It wouldn't be the first time on this podcast. But to me, you're going to throw deep once in a while just to keep the defense honest. And you might hit one or two. But when you when it comes to hitting home runs, I'm talking about constantly throwing the ball 10 to 20 yards down the field in that area. I don't think that's what Miami's plan is going to be. I think Miami's plan is going to be, we'll throw some deep balls, try to loosen up the offense. But we're going to throw a lot of screens. We're going to... We're going to run a lot of crossing routes, and we're going to try to take advantage of what Florida does defensively. And we're mainly going to try not to screw it up and let our defense do the work for us. And I think that's the theory they have going to this game. Now, of course, what happens, there is a big controversy because Tate Martell, the transfer from Ohio State, doesn't show up for practice that night. I guess he did show up for meetings later or, or whatever. Uh, this kid has got a very high opinion of himself, and it'll be interesting to see if he gets back into the transfer portal or does he hang in there and say, well, look, I'm going to have to do a little bit better in practice, and I'm a sprained ankle maybe away from being in there, but they haven't even named a backup yet. That's Miami's problem, okay? Florida's problem is is different in terms of what I'm concerned about, but I'm going to get to that in a minute. But, um, you know, one thing that's interesting for Florida is I get these – well, it's not interesting for Florida. It's just something I deal with all the time. I'm constantly doing all these radio shows where people call. Today it was a show out in uh, the Panhandle. Uh, been on shows all over the country because people want to know what – and they always ask me, so how do the Gators look? And I always say the same thing. I have no idea. And that's the thing. I, I know I've been getting a lot of heat because on I was on Paul Feinbaum's show and I um, said I thought Florida was a little bit overrated. And I do. And I, you guys know, if you listen to this podcast or read my column, I've said that before. I think Florida's a little overrated. 
based on what and again I see the warts more than I do for other teams you know I I think Florida might be really good I was talking to Coach Spurrier on Monday and I said how much practice have you got? he said I've seen a little bit I'm going to get out there today he said they got a chance to be pretty good now that was always his favorite thing, favorite thing to say they got a chance we got a chance yeah and that, but that's exactly right. Florida has a chance to be really good. This is what I've been saying all along. So they also have a chance if they have injuries. And this is where I get into my warrior mode. My wife calls me the warrior. Not the warrior, the warrior. Because I'm the guy who gets to the airport two hours early. I'm the guy who worries even to this day when my daughter's driving. She's 39 years old. Her own car. And I worry about this roster. Two more guys go down this year, this week. Noah Banks, obviously health issues. And then uh, the John Huggins situation, which he was dismissed. Um, Maybe they get Brenton Cox eligible. I'm going to be stunned if that happens. But but somebody asked me the other day, what do you think the NCAA will do on this? I go, nobody knows what the NCAA is going to do on anything. They don't know what they're going to do because they're they're literally throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. I don't see any way Brenton Cox should be eligible, but I didn't think Tate Martell should be eligible. But it seems like they're trying, and this is another theory of mine, it seems like they're trying really hard to make sure that they don't have to deal with ever paying the players any mon- amount of money other than the stipend. They don't want to pay players to play football, and so they're bending over backwards to give them rights and let them do things like have basically free agency. The other day, somebody was saying free agency is going to kill college football. I'm like, no, it won't. That's not going to be the problem. Trust me. Free agency, okay, if it is free agency, so what? You're still going to go out there with 11 guys to start the game. That's all that matters. How did it do free agency do with uh, the NFL? Did it ruin it? No. Most popular sport in America. All right, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Shane Edge, the great punter from the University of Florida. Got a son that's uh, heading down here as well uh, to play baseball. So uh, we'll talk to him. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch, an online or phone chat for those quick questions, and a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. I'm your host, Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this is a Duly Noted Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It's a real pleasure to be joined by my friend Shane Edge. Of course, most of you know him. Uh, as a great punter and great athlete at the University of Florida. Went on to a nice NFL career and also um, 
is uh, you know he's fostered some uh, pretty good athletes over there, up up there in uh, Lake City area, right? Right, Shaner? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I uh, when you say foster a couple athletes, I'm uh, you know my son is actually going to come to Florida next year. He, he's uh, loading up in his apartment, uh, so he'll be there playing baseball next year. So hopefully, if uh, if everything goes well, we've got another edge down there playing a little ball. I don't know. We are we getting old? Because my daughter is about to go to Florida too. Are we we're just getting old, aren't we? Yeah, I guess so. Some of us are. You know, it's, I just got on the phone with my brother, and he uh, he said, "You know, you'll be." I'm not going to say how old I'll be, but he said, "You're <laughs> getting on up there in age." <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? it? It seems like a long time ago that you were scurrying down the field in Birmingham, Alabama, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it don't seem like that long ago. I, you know, I, I, it seems like every uh, every year the SEC championship comes on that video comes out and I get a couple of tweets about it or something, you know, things like that. So I, it's funny, you know, a lot of people don't know me as, as a, a fairly decent punter. They know me as that guy that ran me uh, 23 yards in the SEC championship game. <laughs> yeah. Big, huge play. And of course, uh, Florida won that game. The story I always heard, and tell me if this story is true, is that you came up to be recruited and Jamie Speronis kept trying to get you into Steve's office and Steve finally went Jamie we don't punt much around here we you know he wasn't that wasn't that interested in seeing a punter but it obviously worked out yeah it worked out you know that 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 uh that story's true I uh Jim Bates James Bates's dad actually recruited me to come play defensive back end uh punt and um you know I don't think coach Spurrier's ever seen me punt and and when he did come for a visit at my house course my dad he said hey uh coach you know shane go out in the backyard and punt you know he so so here we go we go jumping out in the backyard punting some footballs and coach first said shane that's pretty good well and of course he was a punter himself at florida yeah you know what's crazy is is uh you know i love coach bird to death and and he he would come out to practice every once in a while and he would i'd be punting you know in pregame and he'd say shane let me show you how to do this and he'll grab the ball, and he would punt that thing. He would turn it over about thirty-five yards and walk on about his way. <laughs> well, back in the yeah, back in the early years of of his career here at Florida as a uh, as a coach, there'd be times when he'd go, "Let me let me run the two minute drill," and he'd run, he'd run him right down the field. Now the DBs weren't going to pick him off, though, right? Uh, listen, I've got a story, I, you know, about that. You know, Harold Monk, God rest his soul, one of the greatest snappers we had. Um, you know, something was going on. Some of the guys were missing or whatever in field goals. And, of course, I was the holder. And Coach Spurrier come up, you know, and Harold was snapping the ball really hard. So it's kind of, you know, I would catch the ball, but I would bobble it every once in a while. And Coach Spurrier gets down there and says, Shane, let me, let, me, let me show you how this is done. You know, he gets down there. And Harold turns around and says, how do you want it, Coach? And I said, what do you mean, how does he want it? <laughs> Snap it the same way you snapped it to me. <laughs> And of course, he snaps the ball and it gets back there in like two seconds. A little rainbow. <laughs> Coach catches the ball, puts it down, and of course, Judd puts it through or whatever. And I said, he said, see, Shane, you got to be the caddy out there. It's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you did do a lot of holding and of course, uh, uh, did, a, did a great job with that. But when, when did you decide you were going to be a punter? Was that something that happened early for you or, or did, was it high school? No, it was. Uh, I actually moved down to Lake City in, uh, when I was eight, eighth grade, and uh, I was, of course, quarterback and free safety, and I could care less about a kicker or punter. But 
um, coach on our team asked, hey, can somebody punt or can somebody kick? And I said, well, you know, cause I like to kick the ball around a little bit, coach. I can do it. So uh, he put me back there, and from then on, I was a kicker and punter for the junior high and then, of course, Columbia High School. And when I got to Florida, I really wanted to play defensive back because I thought I could do that. And uh, But Jim Bates, like I said, the one that recruited me, he um, he moved on to the NFL. Right. And that's when Coach Zook came in. And I actually got a little time in my sophomore season, in the fall of the, my sophomore season uh, at DB, and uh, I hit a I hit a receiver coming across the middle um, during during scrimmage, and uh, Coach Furrier, who, who made that tackle? You know, and that's Edge, Coach. They said, "What? Get him out of there! You're not getting my punter out here hurt." So that was my last days at uh, at defensive back. So yeah, I bet you. Uh... You know, I always thought it was a great thing that you that Florida had a real athlete back there, rather than some of these guys that are that are punters. That, you know, that's once once they punt the ball, they're out, they're running off the field. Yeah, well, you know, I always you know I love the contact anyway, and then then um, you know punters and kickers are a little bit different. I, I get aggravated sometimes when somebody says, "Yeah, he was a kicker at Florida." No, he wasn't. He was a punter. Punters are different. Okay, <laughs> punters are athletes. Kickers, not so much. Didn't you you punted for uh, the Zucker in uh, the NFL too? Didn't you? Yes, yeah. I punted for Zuck in Pittsburgh. He uh, a guy named Josh Miller got hurt, and uh, when he got hurt, Coach Zuck brought me up there, and I punted a little bit. And uh, of course, when I got thrown out of my first game, got into a little yeah, fight. I remember that. Over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was watching that game, and I was like, "Oh, Shaner, what are you doing?" <laughs> One of my best friends, Jason Odom, uh, he came. His son is actually uh, committed to come to Florida next year. Yeah, I saw uh, that. At, at a Jesuit, uh, really big kid and great athlete. But Jason uh, and I had dinner the other night, and we were talking about that. He said, "I remember that game." He said, "You called me and asked me to borrow some money." <laughs> <laughs> well, you um, needed it then, right? <laughs> Yeah, needed it then, needed it then, but we, you know, we, it, it all worked out. It all worked out. Got a Chris Berman nickname for it. Yeah, uh, so I was good to go. <laughs> well, how much attention do you pay to the the current punters? And I mean, obviously, Florida's on a run of Townsends right now. Yeah, you know, of course, I always keep up well with the special teams guys, and you know, from being down there, and I want to make sure or want to watch the guys and and see how they're coming around, but. I tell you what, Johnny Townsend was, was unbelievable. He was he was great for us. And then uh, you know we got this you know another Townsend here. And speaking of athletes, this this young man's a very good athlete too. I mean he he's very good. Yeah, I um, thought of you when he ran that that uh, fake punt against uh, ten, uh, Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah, that was a big he, play he in that is. game. And yeah, and he's a good athlete. I, I tell you what, I think we're in good hands here for the next little while. I mean with Evan McPherson. Um, you know what was he thirteen for fifteen last year? I mean, I don't think he missed you know one or two kicks at the most. And then, uh, but we had a, after me, we had a good run, a uh, pretty decent run of, of punters and kickers. Yeah, how much? How much are you going to get down? You going to down here more because your son's going to be here? For games? Yeah, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to. He, um, like I said, he starts. He starts um, next week, and uh, you know went to Santa Fe, and then. Got a scholarship to play baseball, so I'll be down there a lot more. And uh, matter of fact, um, I'm probably going to come to practice next week. You know, just trying to you know watch them and see how they're doing, and uh, just kind of make sure everybody's doing all right. But I, I love watching them. Of course, 
you know, like watching the battles on the field as far as the position battles and things like that. So we should be a lot better this year. Yeah, well, since we're we're not allowed to go to practice, you can tell me how they look. Oh, that's right. That's right. They closed <laughs> practices, didn't they? Yeah, well, you now, know. That means we don't have to stand out in the sun, so it's it's not the end of the world. Well, with that new facility now, Pat, you didn't have to stand out in the sun very long. Golly, the indoor facility is unbelievable. Yeah, it's really good, and they're going to – I got to think you guys are going to be kind of proud – when they build this whole new uh, football-only facility because it it's kind of built on the shoulders of all the guys who came before them. Well, yeah, you would like to think so. I mean, it, Judd and I were fortunate enough when we were going to school there. Um, we, you know, what do we have? We had three SEC champion, championships, and then, of course, the fourth one was the Langham interception. Yeah. That, that, uh, and it kind of broke our back. But um, if, if we had any, any part of that, that's really good. But I, it's going to be very special. I can't believe going to the facilities now, um, going through the locker rooms and the way they've done things now has changed so much since we were there. But uh, and they say we're behind the times, which is yeah, crazy. Way by, way behind, to be honest. Yeah, how that is, I'll never know. But it'll be very interesting to see the new football facilities. And of course, you know they're going to tear the baseball uh, right. facility down now. They're re- they're redoing it, and uh, hopefully my son will play there. And the, the, when he's a senior, it'll be his first game there. Um, but it'll be it'll be neat. I mean, it's great to think that we had a little bit to do with that. Well, you know, the greatest thing you did at Florida was stay healthy, so we didn't have to see Judd punt. Um, <laughs> all of America appreciates that. Although Judd, Judd claims he would have been a great punter. You know, it's funny because uh, Judd was actually a punter when I came there, Pat. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. He yeah, was trying, he was trying to get the punting job, and uh, I, I graduated early. And I came to Florida in the spring, so he and I were going head-to-head. And uh, it was still up in the air up into the first game. Uh, we played San Jose State, and uh, Coach Spurrier came in at halftime. He said, Shane, you know, because we didn't have to punt the first half. Right. <laughs> he said, Shane, you got the first one. And my first punt was, you know, wasn't very good. I was so scared. I was nervous. I think I had it was like 34, 35 yards, something like that. You could hear the crowd kind of do a little murmur like, oh, here we go again, because Florida's punting woes were pretty bad right. back then and uh the next punt it was, i was fortunate to have a really high snap and i jumped up and grabbed it with one hand and punted it 62 yards and uh came back to the you know of course fans went crazy or whatever i came back to the sideline judge told me good job and he said from that point on he unstrapped his shoulder pads and said i'm going back to kicking <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate your time shane edge one of the greatest punters in the history of florida football we'll be right back with more of the duly noted podcast here at gatorsports.com All right, thanks to Shane for joining us here on the Duly Noted Podcast. We appreciate everybody for listening in. A couple things I wanted to talk about, and next week we're going to break down. You know, the thing is funny is I was thinking about this the other day. I, You know, usually on Thursdays I do my pick column. I'm like, all right, there's one column. I know what I'm going to write. I'm going to write Thursday for Friday my picks column. There's only one game, (laughs) Florida-Miami. I guess I can pick arizona and uh, Hawaii, I think I'll pick Arizona. I'll tell you that right now. Maybe I'll pick the Thursday games for the following week just to give us something to sink our teeth into. Because usually I don't pick those games, obviously, because the paper comes out Friday. I, you get my point. Um, 
So, um, you know, I was talking to somebody about my AP poll, and we talked about this last week. I kind of threw it together quickly as a an ex, as a trial, and then I found out I had to have it in like in five minutes. So I went with what I had, and I didn't research it properly. If I if I had it to do over again, I probably would have had Florida in the top ten because I had some teams in there that probably shouldn't have been in there. But in the end, you know, like I, if Florida beats Miami on the twenty fourth, Florida will be in my top ten. Trust me on that. They're going to pass teams that, that that didn't play, but that's just the way it's going to work. Um, all right, so. I wanted to talk about this because I, I thought this was a really interesting feature. Um, it was in uh, on the website Saturdays Down South, which does some good stuff. There's some good stuff and uh, some not so good stuff, like everybody else. The most annoying things in college football, and I'm looking at them and I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah. And I came up on my own list. But first of all, here's here's some of the ones that were on their list. 25 most annoying things in college football. One, noon games. I think you know how I feel about that. No, they're not. They're not annoying at all for me because that means I get to go home and enjoy the evening and watch more college football. I get it. They're very annoying for fans. This 9 o'clock crap that the the Pac-12 is starting to think, talking about, doing it for TV – is going to be really annoying for fans. And I would love to see if, like, Arizona's playing, uh, I don't know, uh, BYU at Arizona and they they start the game at 9 o'clock, what kind of crowd they get for that. But for me personally, and I don't, again, it's always about me, no, not noon games are great. I wish Florida was playing 9 o'clock games sometimes. We'll be home by, like, 2 o'clock, watch all the games. I can't complain this year, though, with three by open weeks, bye weeks, whatever you want to call them. I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, all right, here's some of the other most annoying things. Danny Cannell's Twitter. Um, you don't have to follow him, okay? So it's not that annoying because just unfollow him or block him or whatever. Um, preseason polls? No, I disagree totally on this, and – my feeling has always been preseason polls are great. I'm a voter on the AP poll, but that's not why. I love preseason polls. It gives you something to talk about. It gives you something to look at. It doesn't hurt anybody. The days of, well, you you know, teams couldn't come from outside the top 25 to get in to any kind of a playoff are long gone, okay? You, you can come from anywhere and get into the playoff. Playoff? In fact, until the first rankings are released, it really doesn't matter where anybody's picked. But I like it. I like it when they say it's number three LSU versus number eight Texas. That just gives the game it, – it may be false hype, but it's still hype. And it's fine. I There's nothing wrong with preseason polls. And guy, like, preseason watch lists probably don't do anybody harm either – but I, they, they, I just don't – they don't annoy me. That would be one I would put on my most annoying. Because in theory, shouldn't everybody be on your watch list, right? Um, another one of the most annoying things, ranking shows, the, the, when they do the, the uh, college football playoff rankings and it let, takes an hour to do something that's three minutes worth of information, 
totally agree on that. You got to fill it up with something, I guess, but it, it is way too overdrawn, over thing. It reminds me of that show, Barbecue Pitmasters. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I actually like that show, but they make an hour show and something should be 10 minutes long. They, they need to come up with a way to make Barbecue Pitmasters where you could actually taste the food. I don't know how you could do that. Maybe smell a vision or something like that. Uh, the explanations of overtime, another one of the most annoying things according to this thing. Well, yeah, but now you're going to have to do it. And I get what they were saying is that every year, every overtime game that comes on, they go, here are the rules. Well, if you don't know the rules by now, you should, you're not – you shouldn't watch college football. But the rule changed this year. So you got to be able to explain it this year. Notre Dame in the playoffs was one of the most annoying things, I, I guess, because they're not competitive in the playoffs. Okay. They don't get in there that often, like twice in the last, what, 10 years? I, I Whatever I say to that one. Message board, board rumors, 100% agree. Guess who just bought a house in the town of the school? Now you're going to check all that out. Message board rumors are bad. Actually, all rumors are bad for my, people in my profession because you got to check them out. You got to put out fires. You spend a lot of time putting out fires. And then half times, which they said are too long. Now, I can never see them making half time shorter for this reason. It's not so much even about TV, although it might be, because they got to get all their commercials in there, as we know. But you you can't always be talking about player safety and then make halftime shorter. Personally, I wish half there was no halftime. I, I let's just keep going, and I think some of the players probably feel that way too. Shoot, by the time they jog all the way in and jog all the way back out and warm up again, they'd probably be better off just sitting around. Halftimes are great for adjustments, though, and that does help. All right, my most annoying, and I'll try to run through these quick because I'm running late. But this is, and this is just from a personal level, okay? Overreactions to the first week of games. You know it's coming. Get ready for it. One team's going to win, and one team's going to lose. Every game ends that way. Whoever loses, people are going to freak out about. Whoever wins, people are going to freak out about. I go back to the year that A&M throttled South Carolina. I don't even remember what year that was. And I think it was Kylan Hill was the quarterback, right? We had him as a Heisman winner after that game. What did he, whatever happened to him? Did he go to TCU? Anyway, that's one of mine. Uh, personally, Hold That Tiger or the Tomahawk Chop song. I could go the rest of my life and never hear either one of those. Be all right. To me, the number one, the, the one they missed, the most annoying thing about college football, this by far is the most annoying. See if you agree with me on this. Traffic. Because none of these cities were built with an infrastructure to handle 80,000 people. They're all, for the most part, now there's some that are, that are fairly large cities, Columbus, Ohio, certainly Nashville, but most of them are Starkville and Tuscaloosa and Auburn and Gainesville. They're not built to handle that kind of traffic. That, to me, is one of the most annoying things. Coming and going. Personally, one of my most annoying things, network access. How they get so much access and all this time with coaches and all. And we get like two days a week. 
in the very beginning of the week. So pers- that's a personal one. Scheduling conflicts, again, for me, how can you have two great games at 3.30? Come on. Let us just we, we, spread them out. They don't spread them out well enough. Um, timeouts after kickoffs. That, that doesn't happen a whole lot. It happens a lot in the NFL, but it really bothers me. Inconsistency of officiating. Closed locker rooms. Remember the good old days, okay? Anyway, those are things that annoy me about college football. I think my list is better than SDS's list, but at any rate. All right, we'll take a break. I know it seems like a lot of breaks, and we, we aren't going to have two guests very often. We did, I know, last week, and we did again this week. A lot of it had to do with the fact that we, um, you know, you call people and then, or you text people, and then both of them respond at the same time, yeah, I, I can do it. So we're going to be joined by Chris Lowe, uh, of course, of ESPN, who's done a, does a great job. We'll have him on. When we come back, you're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. I'm your host, Pat Dooley, from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this is the Duly Noted Podcast, presented by Zaxby's. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It's my great pleasure to be joined right now by my good friend Chris Lowe from ESPN, who is traversing the country looking at college football teams and doing a lot of interviews can't wait to read all this stuff we've already read some of it made some news up at uh lovely clemson south carolina chris how you doing today hey pat it's always good to to talk to somebody who's uh more of a veteran in the business than i am <laughs> somebody older than you is that what you say they're not many, hey they're not many of us i know and who knows how many they'll be <laughs> in a couple of years um uh, so what what's it been like to to hit all these different places? I'm sure you're everywhere you go. You're just teams are oozing with confidence. <laughs> what's this time of year? Two things. Our, our buddy, the head ball coach, calls it talking season. It's also confidence season. I mean, everybody's going to be better. They're stronger. They like their staff better. Uh, they learned a lot from the year before. Uh, great off season. You hear a lot of that. Pat, yeah. but uh, you know when you, we get a chance to get in and talk to some of the guys and staffs, and I had a chance to watch some teams practice. I got to see Clemson practice in Alabama. You get a little bit better feel, and um, I didn't get to see Georgia practice, but I did. I did spend some time there with Kirby and talked to some of the players. Those three teams right now, I think, are, are cut above everybody else. And I'm going to Ohio State next week. I was at Oklahoma yesterday. I think Oklahoma will be better on defense than they were last year, like Alex Grinch a lot, their new coordinator. Um, But just from a physicality and depth in both lines of scrimmage and playmakers and and, and guys that are difference makers in the quarterback position, obviously Tonga Vailoa at Alabama and Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. And I think, you know, Tom is not in that class, but he's played – it seems like is he one of those guys to you that seems like he's played since the Nixon administration? Yes. Nick Fromm. Yeah, he's. I think uh, he's. It's a Hunter Renfro school of uh, players. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, but but that, there's just no substitute to have a guy who's played as much as he has on the big stages that he has. But those three schools right now, I think, are a, a cut above everybody else. It'd be interesting to see if it plays out that way this season on the field. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Nobody's. I mean, everybody's picking those teams, and I, I, you know, I did my AP ballot, and I had Oklahoma and Ohio State as the other two, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's where everybody is. Is that you know? Again, you hear this over and over. Nobody wants to see Alabama 
Clemson again. Well, if they're the best two teams, then they should be playing. But is it hurting college football at all that we're not seeing – you know, outliers come out of nowhere and, and get involved in the, the playoff race? Or is there just enough intrigue in them, the possibility of them making that that we kind of appreciate the greatness of Alabama, Clemson, even Georgia, Ohio State, and, and Oklahoma? Well, it's, it's, it's cyclical. I mean, it'll always be cyclical, the sport will. I mean, you go back to that period when TCU and Baylor were, you know, had, had we had a playoff when, when they had it going, you know, then they probably would have been in there. And that was, what was that, 10 years ago? Yeah. And so, I mean, I was, I was at Oklahoma State today with Mike Gundy. And, and the year, was it uh, 11, when they didn't get in and Alabama did? Had we had a playoff then, then Oklahoma State would have been in it. So, I don't think we're that far away, Pat. The last, I think that what's happened the last couple of years, that Alabama and Clemson have been so good that it probably – magnifies it a little bit. Uh, the gaps maybe been wider, but let's not forget, Georgia's had had Alabama beaten each of the last two times they played him. They just haven't been able to finish the deal. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see this. Uh, I, I refuse to call it week zero, okay? There's a game. It can't be week zero, but it's also not week one, so I'm, I'm calling it week Zulu, because at least that gives it its own identification. But uh, to see this Florida-Miami game. What did you make of Miami going with Jaron Williams as their starter? And, and where do you see uh, – well, I mean, everybody's assuming Tate Martell is going to leave. Well, that's sort of where we are now in college football, isn't it, Pat? If, yeah. if someone's not the, not the starter or comes in as a freshman and gets beaten out in the preseason, they're looking to transfer. And then, and then when they do transfer and they don't win the job, uh, they're going somewhere else. That's uh, – I guess I'm, we talked about being old, old school, whatever you want to call it. That, that still, I still get queasy about that kind of thing. I'm all for a kid. If he's got a bunch of people in front of him or it's just not a good fit or he needs a change to go somewhere where he thinks he's going to play. But just because you don't win a job in the preseason, I mean, that's not, that's not what life's about. You know, if, if, you know, if, if I come to your shop and you're a better columnist than me, you know, or, or what have you, or if I go to a, to a uh, you know a repair shop and a guy's a better mechanic than me. I mean that's that's not the way life is. That that part of it bothers me. But I'll be honest with you. In talking to people close to the Miami program, I don't think they were surprised that, that Jaron won. He was a more consistent passer. Uh, had had been a guy who'd made more plays. And just because Martell transferred there and was one of the higher profile transfer quarterbacks out there, I had this conversation with Lincoln Riley yesterday. You know, with, with, in regard to Jalen Hurts. You don't just hand over positions. You got to go out and win on the field. And I think that's what Jaron did at Miami. Yeah, and my my theory is is that they know they've got a really good defense, and why put a guy out there that's going to give them short fields? Why put a guy out there that's going to make turnovers? So there, it may be a bit of a safe choice too, um, you know, and that and that Jaron Williams is just doing things the right way and not throwing to the wrong color jerseys. You know, you know what I think we all, and I want to say we, include us, the media get forget about it when it comes to football is there is such a thing as complimentary football. And I know fans don't want to hear that, but you know, what you do on defense, what you can and can't do on defense, how good you are on special teams, a lot of times dictates what you do on offense, who you play, who you don't play, uh, how many chances you take. Um, you know, if you've got great players on defense, you've got depth on defense, then it makes sense to to maybe scale it back a little bit offensively and, and, and vice versa. And I think that's the part is the more I'm around the sport and the more I cover it, 
that the best teams, the best coaches, you know, they, they get the, the meaning of playing complimentary football. All right, three quick questions before we let you go. Number one, chances the Pac-12 has a team in the college football playoff this year? Uh, 15%. That's not a high percentage. <laughs> no. Well, I'm, I, can, I can name about seven teams right now that I think are better than anybody in the Pac-12. Can't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it may be less than 15%. Um, chances somebody other than Alabama, Georgia are in the SEC championship game? I'll go. I'll go ten percent. I don't think I don't think LSU is going to beat Alabama, but I do think LSU's got a chance to be pretty good. And I think Florida, you know, with what you know, even though Georgia's got it rolling, we've seen that series over the years. You know, some, some strange things happen. So I, I would go ten, right around ten percent. But Georgia's just. I still think they're better than everybody else in the East, Pat, and. Uh, and I think that's probably the way it's going to play out this year. And finally, chances we have a second straight year of the same 14 coaches coming to SEC media days? About as much of a chance as me going out and shooting 72 <laughs> on a golf course right now. I like those and, and odds. Not, not, only, not only shooting 72, but playing with the head ball coach and having to put every single putt out and not daring touching my ball in the rough, but playing – where it lies out in the rules. Play by the rules. I got zero chance. Got to play by zero the rules, chance. Chrissy. Got to play by the rules, Chris. <laughs> we got, there's a reason we got those rules in place, right? That's right. Well, fortunately, we have him back in town, and, and that's always great. So uh, hopefully, you'll get that. How down is here. he doing in his ambassador role? Tell, tell him when you see him this week, whenever you see him again. I don't know how his ambassadoring is going. I always ask him that. He's he's doing. He likes it. He likes what they ask him to do. And again, he doesn't have to do things that they don't. That he didn't want to do, but uh, he likes, uh, you know, he's got this new restaurant thing that is uh, going, from what I understand, is really going well. So, um, you'll, you'll. And I bet it will be. I bet it will be a hit. Yeah, when you I and I are going to have to go to. Thought. We're going to have to go to dinner there next fall when when you come down here, okay? We're going to. We'll go there and make him buy. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Always a great pleasure to be joined by Chris Lowe from ESPN.com. We'll take a break. Come back with more on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Okay, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Appreciate Chris Lowe. Appreciate Shane Edge. We'll wrap it up here for this edition of the podcast uh look forward to next week just because it's game week I and mean, there's a lot going on i got a couple speeches going on uh it, it certainly ramps up next week nothing quite like game week maybe that'll be a column a good you know a good column might be how the coaches and players that opening game how it's different and how it is such a different opening game than anything they've ever experienced Think about it. None, none of these players have ever played a game where there were no games to watch during the day. You're playing a 7 o'clock game. All right, we're in the hotel. All right, hey, let's all go back to your rooms and get a little rest. You know, what are we going to watch? Um, I don't know. Is um, Are the housewives on? <laughs> is uh, is there a Seinfeld episode to watch? There ain't no, there's no football to watch. That's That's got to be a little bit different. I don't know if I can make a whole column out of that. 
what I can do is give you three things. It's time for three things. We'll start out with number one. And I complain about TV a lot for a guy who watches it constantly. Okay? Maybe I should back off all my complaining about TV because I love TV. I have two TVs in my my sports room. I want to watch as many games as I possibly can. On Thursday night, there were two NFL games on, on my TVs, exhibition games. They were terrible. I still watched them. But I don't. Here's what I don't get about networks, and and somebody maybe can explain to me. I know people have vacations to take, but in the summer, and this I go back to yesterday. I guess it was yesterday, maybe the day before. ESPN U, I believe it was, had Clemson football games on, one after another the entire season of last year. Well, we know they won everyone. Most of them weren't competitive. So you're basically saying, unless you're a Clemson fan, there is no reason to watch this. I don't get that. I would watch Clemson FSU from 2002 or something like that. Show the Leroy Butler uh, fumble or punt Ruski play. You know, I, I don't understand why they don't show more variety and more games you want to watch. If you're going to show old games. Now, I think what it is is you punch a button. It's on a loop. You got the commercials. Nobody has to go to work that day. I'm sure it is. Everybody deserves vacation. But it doesn't mean I like it or understand it. Number two. Tennessee has been called many things. Rocky Top. The Kardashians. Boy, I haven't used that one in a long time. That was a good line a long time ago. Not that long, but three or four years ago, the uh, champions of life. But now they're the buyout kings. According to, um, I don't even know, I don't even know where I read this. I know that it was in the Knoxville paper, but Tennessee will spend more money on buyouts this year than any other school, any other athletic department. $13.8 million for people not to coach. And you're sitting there and you're chuckling and you're saying, God, that's ridiculous. Guess who's not far behind them? You're Florida Gators. So, uh, Florida's right around $12 million for people not to coach. And I don't know that there's an answer to that problem. It is, to me, a problem. Nobody should get paid not to work, right? But you can't hire coaches without giving them reason to come and part of the reason to come is I'm going to give you all this money and if we fire you we're still going to pay you a bunch of money but that goes back to like some things don't make sense like I I, personally I think it'd be great if everybody just got put on a one year contract right you get paid on one year one year at a time we'll evaluate, evaluate you after every year that makes sense you know what else makes sense you get to transfer once. Go play right away. No problem. Second time, you got to sit out. And then you eliminate the NCAA from, from having any influence, from making these arbitrary, crazy, wild decisions. But that makes too much sense. One thing I've learned, talking heads were right. Stop making sense because it ain't going to do any good. And finally, number three, the big issue in golf this weekend was slow play. Brooks Kepka went after Bryson DeChambeau. 
calling him out publicly. DeChambeau went after Brooks Kepka, saying, hey, if you want to talk about it, you come to my face. Interesting stuff. But it is outrageous. And I remember one day at the Players' Championship, this had to have been six years ago, coming around the corner, there was a crowd around where where the one player will always stand and be interviewed. And it was Tiger. I went, oh, Tiger, I wonder what he's talking about. And it was about slow play. And it hasn't gotten any better. And it doesn't seem that – now, I know the argument is, hey, I'm playing for a lot of money. I want to – I, I, I want to make sure – but when you see a guy, I, I, I'll never understand this. A guy marks his ball, puts it down. Or I'm sorry, he, he marks his ball. Then when he goes to put it back down, puts it down, doesn't move the marker, looks at the putt, doesn't move the marker, makes sure it's lined up. Just putt the ball. Then takes it out and then puts it back under, moves the ball. A little. I know they have it lined up. Anyway, slow play is... It's not going to – here's the thing. It's not going to ruin golf because all they have to do is go, we'll go to 13 while he's lining up his putt. TV's got it is, – is, it's fine with TV. But, man, it is hard for the guys that are playing. I don't know how some of them do it. I We played around on, Sunday, on Saturday that was six hours because it was so many people on the course, and it was a great time. We had a blast for the Phoenix Fox Foundation and Sarah's birthday. It was a blast. But um, you know that 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 gets old, and we weren't playing for any money. Believe me, we're doing the opposite. All right, that's going to do it for today's duly noted podcast. I hope you appreciate it and enjoy it, and we will see you next week. Next week, double dose, right, of duly Tuesday and Thursday, and we'll uh, kind of break it down. It's it's like usually what Tuesday is going to be is looking back. And Thursday will be looking ahead. Well, we only have to look ahead. So we're going to come up with some nice little features for you on Tuesday and Thursday and certainly some good guests next week. Till then, I'm Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I'm deep, I'm way back, and I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit Zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit ViStarCU.org.